Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is January 15th, 2024, and I'm joined as usual in studio today by IPI's resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And Dr. Matthews, today we want to talk about a piece that you sent me about this this new Biden administration attack on independent contract workers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is a little bit of a labor topic and a little bit of a tax policy topic. So we should probably start off by explaining that if you work for a living, and that's most of us, uh, odds are you are one of two categories. You're in one of two categories. You're either an employee or you're an independent contractor. Uh, and there are various rules for determining this, and they're very practical rules. There are things like um, if you have to show up at a certain time as defined by your employer, then you're an employee, not an independent contractor. If the tools and equipment you need for your job are provided by your employer, then you're an employee, you're not an independent contractor. On the other hand, um, if you're in charge of your schedule, if you show up to work, you know, when you want to, or it's up to you, if you have your own tools, your own equipment, you know, there's these sorts of very, very practical distinctions have determined whether someone is classified as an employee or as an independent contractor. And it matters from a tax standpoint, because if you're an employee, your employer withholds and submits taxes on mm-hmm. your behalf. You don't have to, if you're an employee, you don't have to send in payments to the for your federal or state income taxes. You don't have to send in checks to the government for your payroll taxes. Your employer withholds those, and then they send those in. Uh, If you are an independent contractor, though, uh, you have to pay quarterly estimated taxes. Uh, It's an entirely different sort of a bookkeeping sort of a system and a tax-paying system. Um, And um, it's more complex, frankly, than having your employer take care of all that stuff. But, you know, there's also – there's other – elements to it. That is, if you're an independent contractor, you have more freedom and flexibility with time, typically, as you point out. Mm -hmm. But you also don't get benefits from the employer, typically. So uh, a 401k and things like that wouldn't be part. So you set up your own IRA. It doesn't mean you don't have access to being able to save. Right. You set up your own IRA and you can make your own deposits that way. And and as you point out, you you more than likely have to arrange for your own health insurance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, really any any benefits, whether it's disability or health insurance or retirement or whatever, you kind of have to make those arrangements on your own. Vacation. Exactly. Exactly. So there's lots of freedom and flexibility that comes along with being an independent contractor, but there's also some inconvenience. And uh, if if this has been confusing and not clear up to this point, uh, you can tell if you're an employee or not. If sometime in late January or early February, you receive a W-2 form. Mm -hmm. That means you're an employee, and your employer has submitted the, the, the W-2 form. If you're an independent contractor, you get what's called a 1099. Right. And the 1099 simply is a record of how much money you know, was paid to you by various vendors and various uh, contracts that you had as a course of your work. Then it's your job then to compute your taxes based on all those 1099s. So that's how things have always been, and 
the the lovely thing about a free country and a free market is that you can kind of decide whether you want to be an employee or whether you want to be an independent contractor, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I kind of get the sense that the left and progressives really think you ought to be an employee, where a lot of people really enjoy being having the freedom to be an independent contractor. They might be people who are doing something, their students, mm-hmm. might be housewives, might be other things, house husbands, but they want to be able to have certain amount of freedom, and that works for them. So they, they make certain trade-offs there. Sure. I mean, the, the, the whole idea of somebody who wants to be their own boss and work at their own pace or work their own schedule, then an independent contractor status is really perfect for them. So the odds are that if you have somebody come out and do maintenance on your house, you know, work on your air conditioner or your heater— uh, paint, you know, repair sheetrock, uh, a plumber, you know, an air conditioning technician, a landscaper. If you have somebody come out and mow your yard, if you have somebody come out and plant shrubs or whatever, odds are they are independent contractors, that that's the way that they're set up. And, you know, they determine whether or not they want to take you on as a client or not. They tell you when they can come out, when they can fit you into their schedule. They bring their own tools. They work at their pace. They charge you uh, a, a predetermined rate based on their own calculation of, of their you know value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're independent contractors. And as you point out, the the there's some incon- there's some bookkeeping inconvenience that comes along with that. But there's is of course the great convenience of flexibility. And there are people who they prize that flexibility. You'll hear people commonly say, "Oh, I could never just work a nine to five. You know right. what I mean? Or I could never work at a cubicle. You know." I can never work for a corporation, da, 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 da. And again, the great thing about a free market economy is, is you probably don't have to. If, if, if you want to be your own boss, you can probably find a way to do that. And so that's been the status quo in this country. That, that really has not changed. Tax policy and labor policy has not really changed there for a long time. But you sort of foreshadowed the conversation when you said the left really wants people to be employees. And a big part of why the left wants people to be employees is that the left wants people to be in labor unions. And independent contractors, there might be a couple of exceptions here to this statement I'm going to make, but independent contractors generally are not members of unions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to pay union dues. Uh, there's no union bargaining with anyone on their behalf because they're not an employee. They're an independent contractor. Now, this is sort of a sleepy This was a sleepy tax and labor policy issue until the gig economy came along, until Uber, Lyft, to some degree, Airbnb. And so all of a sudden, people who owned a house or a second house or whatever, all of a sudden, they became part-time landlords because they were leasing their house or their property out for an Airbnb. Uh, If you were driving for Uber, Uber doesn't provide the car for you. Uber doesn't tell you when to work. It's up to you when you work or not. It's up to it's up to you how many hours you work. If you want to go out and buy a special car to drive for Uber, you can. If you want to just use your same family passenger car to drive for Uber, you can. Uber doesn't tell you what to do. Uh, you can work however much you want, whenever you want, using whatever equipment you want. So if you're a driver for Uber or Lyft or, or, or Uber Eats or DoorDash or any of those sort of gig economy kind of jobs... Uh, you clearly fit the classic definition of an independent contractor. And the left doesn't like it one little they bit. They do not like it. And they've been they've been screaming about this for a long time. And in fairness, some of the people who drive for Uber and Lyft have also been complaining because they feel like 
even the, you know, just as an aside, I almost always engage in a brief conversation with my Uber drivers. And I always ask them, how long have you been doing this? Do you do it full-time or part-time? What do you like about it? And I mean 99 out of 100 times. The person likes it. They like the flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, they may not be planning to do it forever. They may be between jobs. They may be doing it as a side hustle in addition to a full-time job. Sometimes it's a retired person who they're just bored sitting around the house and they just need to get out a few hours a day and just meet people and talk to people, you know. Uh, but what they really, what they really prize is the flexibility that they can do it when they want, as much as they want, using whatever equipment they want. The classic definition of an independent contractor. But the left, so the majority of these folks want to be independent contractors. They don't want to be employees. Right. They don't want to be told you have to work a minimum of 20 hours a week or, you know, the Sunday's the Super Bowl. So if you're an Uber driver in this city, you are required to work whether you want to or not. You know, that's not what they want. They want flexibility. They want options. They want to be able to fit it into their lifestyle. And maybe their lifestyle is the lifestyle of a hustler who wants to work 60 or 70 hours a week. Maybe their lifestyle is a lifestyle of somebody who only wants to work 15 or 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. They're free to do that because they're independent contractors. Well, this has been, as you have suggested, this has been a thing for the left for a while, is to try to force the people who drive for, for gig economy companies and that sort of thing to force them out of independent contractor status into employee status. And the main thing that this facilitates is that now you can unionize them. Which, which I think it's fair to say is really the end goal of the progressive left in this movement. But to, to do that, to shift a bunch of people from independent contractor status to employee status, you literally have to change the regulation. You have to change the, the tests for whether or not someone's an independent contractor or not. And this past week, the Biden administration announced exactly that. They have announced a, a, a major revision to the tax and labor policies that determine whether someone is an independent contractor or whether they're an employee. Mm. And the idea is to narrow the base of independent contractors and to move people who are independent contractors into employee status. Um, now, this is the sort of thing that those of us who sort of are not necessarily enthusiastic about forced unionization don't like. Um, and so there's a, there's a political angle to this, and it's sort of like, look, we know why you're doing this, and we don't agree with your goal, right? But there again, there are other um, sort of there are other dominoes that will fall if this policy by the Biden administration actually becomes law and and actually becomes governing law and regulation, um, because there's an awful lot of people. Uh, independent writers, journalists, bloggers, uh, you know, uh, the, the mom out there who has a lifestyle blog about, you know, recipes and, and raising children and stuff like that. Uh, odds are their revenue is not coming in as an, as an employee. Odds are their revenue is coming in as an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. And so California did this a few years ago. California really, really restricted uh, who could be qualified as an independent contractor and, and who could be qualified as an employee. And again, the idea was to force independent contractors into employee status. And 
what the net result of this for a lot of independent contractors is they were no longer allowed to be an independent contractor, mm-hmm. but they couldn't find anybody to hire them as an employee. You had freelance writers, you had music composers. You yeah, had, California would have a lot of that absolutely. because of Hollywood. You had, and, you had, you had this, essentially a lot of the sort of creative community, including the sort of the part-time creative community. They can hustle up enough work to make a living and put body and soul together, but it's very hard to find someone to employ you to do that and to treat you as an employee and to withhold taxes and provide benefits. You know, it's, it's interesting because in California, you have Hollywood, and I know of people who are camera people. Sure. And they, they take jobs here. They'll go work for this program, television program for a little bit, and they'll go over here and work. But they're, they're contractors, independent contractors. Well, they're hired to come in. Carpenters and plumbers, you know, people who build sets and that kind of a thing. They're largely independent contractors. They're not employees of the movie studio. Right. You know, and, you know, and if a particular studio wants to hire a particular carpenter for a job, the carpenter can say, no, I don't like you. Last time I worked with you, you were a pain in the neck. I don't want to work for you anymore. You know, so they don't want to be employees. They want to be independent. They want to be independent contractors. And what happened in California is you had a a huge swath of especially part-time workers for whom their only option was to be an independent contractor. Uh, And suddenly what they found was this change in rules in California did not simply change their tax status. It made them unemployed. Mm -hmm. It, It made them unable to work. Because there there was no framework any longer for them to work part-time as they were able as an independent contractor. And it literally put people out of work. So it's like what, what, what you want to do is try to increase the ranks of the unionized. But in the course of doing that, what you've actually done is throw a whole co- cohort of people out to the point where they can no longer make a living. So or they can me, no longer supplement their living. So let me ask the question. When the Biden administration is trying to do this... Is this something is this something that is already in law and they're just simply trying to go around it because they can't get uh, legis- the, uh, the Congress to pass it, which the Biden administration has been doing in a lot of areas? Yeah. So, th- no, this is an area where the Biden administration is trying to use their executive authority right. to change regulations, not law. So, in other words, they're not undoing the 1099 independent contractor laws, they're just saying we're changing the regulations for determining whether or not you're an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in fact, we've done podcasts on this topic before about this problem that Congress delegates enormous sweeping power to the regulatory agencies to decide how to implement law. And so the issue here is that that the Labor Department has this authority, or at least the Biden administration is arguing that they have this authority to change the rules that determine whether you qualify for independent contractor status or not. Now, you know, we, we've seen these pendulum swings over the last few years where there's a Republican president and they loosen up regulations, and then there's a Democrat president and they tighten up regulations. You know, the ultimate solution to these kind of things is for Congress to pass new law right. and say, you know what, uh, if we actually do want to make a big change here. It's for Congress to do that, not for the regulators to do that. And in fact, this year coming up, we're going to see a couple of really major Supreme Court cases that go to this point. This is the major questions doctrine. You know, I've talked mm-hmm. about this before, that the Supreme Court is, is now asserting this idea of the major questions doctrine, which if a regulatory agency wants to make sweeping changes that will have major impacts on the economy, 
They don't have the authority to do that. Congress has to do that. And I could see in this case, because there are so many people who work as contractors, even if they have full-time jobs, yep. uh, that they want to uh, that they want to be able to do that. Yeah, and you're, so you're going to see major um, advocacy groups. You're going to see NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business. You're going to find the Chamber of Commerce. You're going to find the National Restaurant Association. You're going to find a lot of these groups essentially opposing this change because the majority of their labor force for a lot of these companies are independent contractors. And that's true with real uh, real estate agents. Absolutely. Many of them are just working, they're working as a contractor for the broker yeah. of the of the company, and they're they're paid by commission, and they don't get a salary. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have the breakdown here as far as, like, you know, what percentage of American workers are actually independent contractors. That would be interesting to see. Um, but it's not small. Yeah. And so there's going to be a lot of consternation and there's going to be a lot of pushback on this. Of course, it's going to go through the normal, you know, regulatory proceeding where people will make comments and all that kind of stuff. The thing about the Biden administration is that they they have a tendency to jam through their preferences regardless of what people think and right. regardless of, of the amount of, you know, uh, obstacles that they may face. Because they're elite and they know better than exactly. everybody That's else. That's exactly right. So w- what we're going to see is we're going to see the Biden administration try to push this through. We're going to see, you know, uh, lawsuits and all sort of complaints by major, you know, economic advocacy, advocacy groups. We're going to see Republicans in Congress complaining about it. The real issue, of course, is can a congressional majority be mustered to actually stop the Biden administration from doing this. And it seems like with every day that goes by, the Republicans have smaller and smaller margins in the House Mm -hmm. of Representatives. So, you know, when you've only got a one or two seat majority in the House of Representatives, and when you, uh, uh, you know, when you're a minority by one or two seats in the Senate, uh, it's kind of hard to go back and overturn moves that are made by the executive branch. But, you know, for the purposes of, of this podcast, we want people to understand what is going on here. And we want, we want people to understand that this is not a, some sort of a minor fiddly change. And I think the Biden administration would try to describe this as we're just updating the regulations for the modern economy. It's yeah. not a big deal. We're just updating for the modern economy. What they're doing is they're doing a direct attack on the modern economy because a whole lot of the modern economy are gig workers they're people who value flexibility. They're people who value their independence. Uh, they want to be able to work when they want, for whom they want. Um, they don't want an employer. They they actively don't want an employer. And for a lot of these folks, the option is not going to be to switch from independent contractor status to employee status. The option is going to be to no longer be productively engaged. Mm-hmm. And that's not good for the country. That's not good for them. And it's not good for our economy. So you can tell from our from our discussion here that we at IP are very much opposed to this move. We think that if you really do want to update regulations for the modern economy, you would build in more flexibility for workers, not try to take away flexibility from workers. Uh, let more people control their fate. Let more people uh, determine how and when and for whom they work, uh, rather than you know having to have an employer. And having to, you know, work a nine to five mm-hmm. at someone else's direction. Well, we appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. You can find a lot more information about tax and labor policy at our website at IPI.org. And you can also sign up there if you'd like to receive notices of our new podcast episodes, new content, and upcoming events. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would very much appreciate a favorable review 
on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.